sometimes you got to go through the dark to get through the to the light, you know. So if you can make that journey with me, you know, this is where I'm at in my life. And, you know, this is the closest record to me that's really actually me, too. You know what mm. I'm saying? Like, this is it. Like, you know, from where I've been to where I'm at, you know, this is it. Hey, everyone. I bet you were surprised to see this show up on your feed. Those of you who kept subscribing to the podcast, I thank you. Uh, welcome to episode 120 of the MC Lars podcast. This is an interview with Detroit hip hop legend Esham that I originally did with MC Snacks for Hatchet Chat. But since I'm rebooting the Lars podcast, I thought I'd use it as a way to reintroduce everyone to the show. Um, I know it's been 871 days since I posted an episode. Of course, I've had a lot of content and I've been going hard on the Patreon. I've been playing shows. I've been doing grad school. I'm at Cal State University, Monterey Bay, getting my master's in instructional design. So I'm wrapping up my thesis. My son is now three and uh, that's crazy, right? And life is good. We sat down with Isham to talk about Purgatory, his new record, and I was specifically interested in the Dante themes. I've always been a fan of Isham. So let's get into it. Originally from Hatchet Chat, this is MC Snacks in my interview with Isham, right here on the MC Lars Podcast. All right, so I want to start with, this is, this is a rhyme I love from the record. Catch me out in traffic, getting money is a habit. If I want it, then I grab it, getting carrots like a rabbit. That's from I Can't Believe. And I can't believe we got Isham on Hatchet Chat. Uh, welcome. Thanks for joining us, man. What up, though? What up, though, everybody at Hatchet Chat? Um, yeah, that's off of one of the songs on Purgatory, which is called I Can't Believe, which um, it's just basically just the times we're living in. There's a lot of things going on that I really can't believe is going on, but they're actually happening. So I spoke about it on that that song, I Can't Believe. And um, yeah, that line, that's a pretty um, clever line. I think a lot of people, um, you know, um, they listen to my songs for a lot of different reasons, but definitely for the uh, witty lyricism. So yeah, for sure. No doubt, man. And dude, this album is chock full of flavor like that. Of course, Purgatory, you know, you're fresh off the release of this dope album just came out on July 7th. It was highly anticipated. We knew it was coming for a while. You dropped a teaser right before the gathering on July 4th. And then boom, July 7th, we finally had it. Uh, Lars and I have been, you know, haven't stopped talking about it. It's so dope. There's a lot to dive into. And, and Lars has a lot of literature knowledge. So he's going to be asking you a lot about its connection to like Dante's Inferno and stuff. But man, just first of all, congrats on the dope release, man. It's so fresh. Thank you, guys. So Isha, how's the response been? Like, because you're very prolific. Um, do you feel like the, the fans are feeling the record and you've gotten a good response so far? I mean, absolutely. I mean, it's been a um, really cool response from everybody. Actually, um, a lot of people are telling me that they're, they're enjoying the record. You know, people are really just now getting it and um, taking time to um, digest actually um, what's actually going on with the record. And I think um, the content and just um, 
the overall presentation of it is um, taking people back to the um, the old days when I used to release records like that. You've always had really cool concept records in, in the decades you've been doing this. And thinking about Dante's circle in the Inferno and the Divine Comedy, like Dante's poem focuses a lot on themes of sin, redemption, justice, the consequence of our actions and redemption, which is like a really interesting theme through a lot of your music. And I love the, the five tracks, the circle of proud, circle of wraith, circle of avarice, and uh, circle of gluttony and circle of sloth. You kind of are like directly, directly referencing Dante. And I was just wondering like, yeah, man, like what gave you the idea for this record and, and having the circle theme throughout Purgatory? My music has always um, focused around religion and religious themes, you know, since I started. I believe that's um, what separates me from a lot of other artists that do this kind of music, you know. Um, absolutely, Dante's Inferno, absolutely the Seven Circles of Purgatory and um, where all that actually comes from. Because when I do make a record, I want people to think about, you know, certain things basically the consequences of your actions. So there, there were seven, you know, two of them. Um, I'm not going to say they didn't make the cut, but the, the other two were, um, they were, they, they were just like, they were on fire. So maybe you might hear them, you know, later, later on down the line. But like I say, I've always um, focused my albums around religious themes in one way or the other. And um, that's what um, separates me from a lot of other artists that do the wicked shit. You know, the wicked shit is um, a lot of people think it's a sound, but it's not necessarily a sound. It's a it's a feeling, you know, it's a bunch of feelings, actually. So, you know, that's why um, I talk about religion and I want people to just, you know, think about a lot of things, you know, even myself in that regards of um, purgatory. Isham, do you personally, do you believe that there's like a God in an afterlife or is it? up to interpretation or like do you yeah do you have a clear view on your perspective on that well i mean i do know you know there is a connection to the oneness and i guess everybody's journey is to try to get as close as possible to that you know i can't reveal any secrets or anything like that because it took me years to study these things but you know I just lead by example and lead in a positive way. So, you know, whatever way you get, got to go to get to that oneness, you know, may you connect with it. But I do believe, yeah, there is something. That is really interesting, Isham. And like one of the really cool things about um, Dante's Inferno and the influence like I can see in your work is the idea that there's this character of Virgil, who wrote the Aeneid, like the old Roman poem, he acts as a guide for Dante through this. And I feel like in the wicked shit world and in Juggalo or whatever you want to call it, you've been like this guide reminding us of like this moral imperative to make the most of every moment, um, be conscious of our actions and realize that like what there's more to what we do than just our time on earth. And so it's interesting to me that like songs like St. Detroit you you're you've almost been like canonized in this whole spiritual world of the juggler world but you're also you've created it and so i don't know that's kind of a broad question but my main question is like is it a conscious thing when you try to act as a guide spiritual guide in in the 
wicked shit world or it's just kind of just like you don't even think about it it just flows through you like how conscious is the morality is i guess is my question well when i first started in the beginning you know just the wicked shit was flowing through me you know i was unconscious to the things that i was saying that's why you know maybe they were so brutal at times or just they were coming from an unconscious mind you know um the further i got into um the situation you know just studying the arts you know now i'm conscious to what i'm saying and i i just want people to really think about you know the stuff that they're saying and the things that they're doing and um i guess i would say i would just i'm leading by example and i hope i you know lead when people meet me and when they they hear my music because i think it's a a misconception about who i actually am and you know the music and the art that i actually create so and that's something Lars and I were talking about. We wanted to ask you, because you have said that, especially in the earlier days when you were using a lot of the heavy duty, darker imagery, even, you know, the satanic themes, you weren't so much trying to be a horror act as you were just kind of, re, you know, using this imagery to draw attention to the crazy environment around you. But was there anything that inspired you to use such heavy duty themes, even up until present day? I know it's not as intense in some ways as it used to be, but I mean, even with Purgatory, this album, you know, Dante's Inferno, like, are you a horror fan at all? Kind of like, what do you think inspired you to, to go that heavy with it at times? Well, um, that's why the, the name of the, the record company is Real Life. Like real life itself is actually horrifying, you know? Right. Um, I'm I'm talking about life at times in a way where, you know, a lot of people, I guess they don't view it like me, you know, I mean, I am coming from the perspective of a, a black man on this planet. So my view of the world and my situations with real life might actually be horrifying to somebody, but I was not trying to make it a horror based thing. But actually, um, there's some horrible things that's been happening throughout history. And um, me coming into the world, the times I'm in, the times we're living in, I'm just reflecting those horrible times. And no, I'm not trying to make a horror movie. This is real life, you know. The records I make, I'm just a reflection. I'm just like a news reporter reporting what's going on outside. So it's very much real, but it's horrifying. But yes, I do like horror films and, you know, all that stuff, too, because I'm a fan of that, you know, but that is science fiction. And when I'm talking on records, you know, I do both. But as Eshan, when I'm making an Eshan record, I'm just talking about real life. So to some people, it scares them the way I talk about it, because I am talking about religion and, you know, man and woman and child and, you know, all these things that we're surrounded by you know in this in this world so yeah it might be horrifying to people but it's just real life to me you know and i guess in relation to that there was another thing Larry and i were wanted to ask like uh you kind of had 
and, and in many ways still have this kind of urban legend status, like you said, uh, you're misunderstood by a lot of people because of the themes that you use in your music. And, you know, uh, Violent J and Behind the Paint talked about how there was like these kind of uh, myths and legends about you. What is the craziest thing that you've heard about yourself? Like, has anybody ever been afraid to meet you in, in person or anything like that? I mean, I think that's just what it is, you know. You know, that's that's somebody else's misconception of my art, you know. A lot of people people hear it all around the world, you know, and um it will have to be them, you know. I mean, I am here, I do exist, you know, but it's almost like I'm invisible or people do not talk about my artwork, or is it just that still that um the je ne de quoi like is it still that potent you know what i mean like i i don't ever refer to myself as a legend because that kind of infers that my story is over you know so i don't ever you never hear me saying that i actually don't like the word so i am still here just being an artist and doing all the things that i've learned to do so even if the mysticism and my mystery of my story is still the mystery, then that's probably why I still even exist. That's cool. You, don't, you can't define yourself by what you've created. You define yourself by what you continue to create. And it seems like that's like a, a healthy perspective as an artist you bring. It's cool. Absolutely. Because I think as people, we all have chapters in our story that you know we want to skip through or we're not too proud of or whatever is going on but you know people cannot expect you to be the same person that you were you know when you were 10 years old so right. i mean hip-hop is celebrating 50 years of hip-hop and i'm actually turning 50 years old so it is a celebration but it's a celebration of life and in real life yeah, the uh, the thing about hip hop, right? It's a lot of ego, a lot of like reaffirming what you created, and everyone there's lists, who's the this and that, and like being an OG. You've seen hip hop change, you've seen juggalo culture change, like in your whole career. So I, we were just curious, Ishan, like what are some of the biggest changes you've seen in hip hop in your career, and some of the changes in juggalo culture specific, if if you don't mind addressing that. Um, I mean, a lot more people are accepting to hip hop and they're, um, incorporating hip hop into what they're doing, even different genres, country music, you know, rock and roll, of course, there's always been that marriage jazz too, but, you know, I see a lot more people incorporating hip hop into what they're doing and it's being even more inclusive because that's what hip hop always have been it's been an inclusive art you know so anybody can get in and join in on the fun as long as they you know respect the fundamentals of it you know from my understanding and as far as you know the juggalo culture you know i guess that would be a question for you know <laughs> violent j and them but i think the juggalo culture is just as beautiful as as it always has been you know it's uh, a lot of people being free being themselves and expressing um, their artistic views, you know, every race, every creed, every gender, whatever you want to be, they, they being free. 
they're trying to lead by example and they they're being all inclusive so you know that's what i see and and i hope i hope it continues to be such as that you know no doubt, man. And uh, Lars and I, the last episode on Hatchet Chat we just did was on the Three-Headed Monster release, which you were a part of. And it was kind of cool to see the juxtaposition between, uh, you know, Ouija Mac, because he was going really hard with some like more old school style wicked shit. But you were like dropping a lot of conscious wisdom and stuff. Was that um, juxtaposition like really intentional or or is that just kind of um did it come naturally when you were hearing those beats no absolutely not i mean um violent jay actually put all that stuff together and he just let everybody be who they were you know he wanted everybody to include whatever they were wanted to contribute to the project at the time and um, that's what we all contributed. You know, we all love everybody, love the project. We love I love everything on there. So, you know, we just all have fun with it. And we got back to just making music. It wasn't really nothing like that. We were just having fun and, you know, supporting each other. And um, it turned out to be a beautiful thing. We actually had super fun on that tour, too, all across uh, North America. Um, the people were really receptive. Everybody just was having fun. And it felt like... You know, the old days, you know, OTB, we got that old thing back. It, it just felt really good to be out there. And, um, you know, maybe there'll be more of that in the future. You know, who knows? Anything is possible. Do you feel like, and if you could speak on this, we'll get any more supervillains? Like, or is that secret? Well, I mean, these are, once again, all type of questions that you might have to, you definitely have to ask uh, Violent J or even Shaggy, but Violent J would be the one to know. I mean, you never know, man. I mean, if I see the signal in the sky or I get that secret call, then definitely, you know, somebody might show up. That's what's up. That's how we do it. We always support what's going on. So anything's possible. That's what's up. Cool. One of the things that we were wondering is like, when you're chilling, what kind of music are you bumping, like, for inspiration? Are there any artists you're feeling these days you wanted to shout out or any records or anything? I mean, I'm I'm all over the place with my music, man. I mean, that's why probably it sounds like it sounds. So I'm anywhere from classical music to, you know, rock and roll, punk rock. I mean, I love it all, man. I would advise... Um, people to uh, just explore different genres and just always, you know, try to hear something new. You know, even if you don't understand it, it just depends on where I'm at in the world. You know, I'm just a fan of music. So I just would say, you know, just continue to keep creating, man. I love it from the bottom and all the way to the top. So top and bottom. I like top and bottom. <laughs> That's what's up. That's tight. We could talk about some of the tracks we had specific thoughts about and we yeah, man. So, Snacks, you want to go first and just share your perspective on a few of them or questions? Yeah, man. I really was enjoying some of the heavier tracks on here. You know, there's some metal tracks um, that I believe you and uh, Ryan Sevra from Polonius Assault produced. Mm -hmm. And, man, like it starts with a heavy one, Active Shooter, Circle of Wraith is another banger and you were kind of a pioneer of that as well uh with you know sampling metal acts like black sabbath and stuff you were really one of the first to to mix metal and hip-hop so what made you want to get some more live sounds on this record with tracks like uh, active shooter oh man i'm just uh, always a fan of the art form 
And um, anytime I can get get together, just like a super dope producer like Ryan, anyway, anytime I can get together with somebody that like that, that's as creative, it's always a beautiful thing, man. I mean, I love heavy shit. And um, Active Shooter actually, you know, unfortunately was inspired by some real life events. It was like about that um, school shooting down there in Texas, you know. And uh, unfortunately, unfortunately, all that stuff happened. But, you know, that was my version of it. You know what I'm saying? But that's kind of like how I get inspired to make music. And uh, once again, even when I'm hearing a heavy track like like the one um, Ryan produced, you know, then it's it's just something that happens to me where I go into a mode and it, it just happens kind of instantly. So, yeah, I love those tracks, man. And I love heavy music. I love artists like, you know, the Melvins and fucking Nirvana and all that stuff and all the old school classics, man. You know, big fan of stuff like that, like Santana and just anybody who really has a love for music. I'm a fan of it, but I'm a real big fan of uh heavy metal and uh, punk rock as well as hip hop. So yeah, that's why I did it like that. All right, man. Do you, um, do you listen to much Megadeth? Cause I feel like a lot of the dystopian themes that are present on this record, like Megadeth will, uh, you know, cover a lot and they got that thrash sound and that's what some of the heavier tracks on this album were reminding me of. Are you a Megadeth fan at all? No, absolutely. I mean, I love all the heavy rock gods, man. I mean, I can just sit there all day and just go for days on that stuff. So, yeah, I'm a big fan of acts like Megadeth and just, like I say, the meat, loaves, the, everything, man. Led Zeppelin, like, it's, it's amazing, you know. I don't have a list in front of me right now, but, yeah, all those records, I'm, like, deeply inspired by the ones that came before me. I mean, I mean, that's that's my dream to be a rock star, you know, actually. But I do hip hop, but I just love music. I just I want to be an artist, man. You know, if there were no no genres and just music just played on the equal playing field and a lot more people would be exposed to a lot of great music out there. You know, people are missing out because they're trying to put music in categories and small boxes or what have you. So they miss out on a lot of great artists, you know, like the Megadeths, but Megadeths are huge, so they don't miss out on people like that. But I'm just saying there's a lot of great artists out there that um, don't get heard because there is a line between them. So one day, hopefully, this music will break over those kind of lines. So that's why I made the album Purgatory. Maybe you could tell us about the cover art for, for Purgatory and how you came up with that idea for this record. Well, um... That's actually um, done by an in-house artist that we have. Moonshine did all the cover art. She's a wonderful designer. I mean, she's actually the best, one of the best in the world. Like, um, yeah, I can go on for days about that, but it is wrapped up in the seven circles of purgatory and the whole Dante's Inferno and everything about that. So I did want people to just kind of like, even if they don't didn't know anything about purgatory, and what it was to kind of like be like why did he make this album and maybe they might you know just find something positive out of it or go somewhere else you know what i'm saying though so that's kind of like why i made that i want people to think about the things that they're doing and to the levels and the degrees that they're doing them, you know so yeah that's why i kind of made purgatory the artworks looks like that because it is all those things you know i think life is is like that in ways you know, and that's why I want people to stay focused on the art. You know, I, 
I don't really need to have a need to put my own face on there or anything like that. I'm, I've never gravitated toward that, although I did graduate from handsome boy modeling school, top of my class. I don't, you know, advocate for that type of thing. I want people to look at the artwork, you know, and listen to the music, you know, because it's really all about the music for me. That's what's up, man. That's cool. St. Detroit, that to me is a standout track, and we referenced it earlier. And I love the Star Wars references and talking about flying into Detroit on the red eye and like it's just a great imagery on that song I was, I was wondering if you'd be down to talk about just the idea behind that track absolutely I mean the idea behind the track St. Detroit was um, Detroit sometimes gets a negative rap you know it gets a bad rap and a lot of people chase the wrong type of imagery in Detroit I wouldn't say the wrong type of imagery I mean unfortunate life circumstances lead you down certain paths. But there's a lot of good people in Detroit, despite what people might think. And there's a lot of saints in Detroit. And I just, I think there's a lot of people that help people in Detroit and it's just turning into a beautiful city, you know? And um, I just don't want people to focus on too much on negative imagery. And when I talk about Detroit, I just want to big it up and I just want to say, you know, just a golden place, you know, with golden people. And St. Detroit could be anybody. You know, I, I advocate for mm. Detroit, but when people see me, I hope they see the best representation of Detroit they've ever seen in their life because I am from Detroit. Yeah, and it seemed like you were um, drawing some parallels, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong about this, but like actually to the city of Detroit, to purgatory itself, almost like Detroit is in this, um, maybe in the eyes of people because of those misconceptions, maybe people in Detroit feel like it's in this stagnant state, you know, not getting the love it deserves. Were you, were, am I wrong that you were kind of um, drawing a parallel between the two in that way as well? You know, I've always wanted, you know, people to look at the beauty of what Detroit is. And, um, you know, they're looking at it now for sure. But there is a lot of great talent in Detroit. You know, it's just it has to come through, you know, in a positive way for people to really understand what's going on there. So, you know, hopefully, I like I said, I can lead by example. You know what I'm saying? I know my artwork hasn't always been, you know, in the greatest positive light, you know, I had to sometimes you got to go through the dark to get through the to the light, you know. So if you can make that journey with me, you know, this is where I'm at in my life. And, you know, this is the closest record to me that's really actually me, too. You know what mm. I'm saying? Like, this is it. Like, you know, from where I've been to where I'm at, you know, this is it. And um, everything that purgatory represents, like, let's just say if you did die, and you were stuck in this waiting room, and the only way you can get out is for somebody that's alive to actually say something nice or say a prayer for you to get you out of there, even if you didn't believe in heaven or hell, you know? And that was like a, a way to get anybody out of there if you thought about your loved ones or whoever, you know, that passed on from this life. All, all you got to do to get them out of that state, one person is say a prayer for them. And that's just powerful to me. If one person prayed for you, you you know what I'm saying? So, purgatory. Right. And that's like a thing that is in the, the Catholic um, 
religion like pretty heavy the the praying for the dead that a lot of like the more protestants uh you know stay away from but you're right there is something so powerful in that ability to be able to still advocate for the dead and then have them pray for you and they're when they're redeemed so i think you did a really dope job playing with that imagery well there it is good sir that's what's up man that's this energy from that there's hope in purgatory there's hope and i think that is something your career has shown that and you've been a big inspiration to both of us we're you know obviously we've been following you for for years and i wanted to end with a, a lyric that i love on the record from uh from i think it's from circle of sloth you say constantly living in a state of shock until you're done playing the game of life then all your pieces go pieces go back in the box so clever and so like true and <laughs> yeah man like what yeah maybe we can end with what that what that rhyme meant to you what those lyrics meant to you i mean um that's actually one of my favorite songs and that's just what it means to me you know everybody got to really think about that you know when when we're all done playing this game of life, all your pieces are going to go back in the box. And, you know, yeah, it's deep, man. So, yeah, it means the same thing to me that it, it means to somebody when they hear that. So it, may, it just makes you think about what's going on and what's important to you. That's what's up. Well, dude, congrats. Congrats on the record. Thank you for being on Hatchet Chat and, like, for the respect and time you've given us and, like, We'll keep spreading the word and uh, yeah, man, great, great to meet you through this medium. So thank you, Ishan. Thank you guys. I appreciate it. You guys have a great day and thanks for having me on the show, guys. It was 1999. Young Lars stood in line to see the Phantom Menace with my friends one more time. Had already seen it twice. It only had one vice. Jar Jar hate was rampant and they weren't very nice. But the Gungan was more than a comic psychic honest. Saved by Qui-Gon Jinn and he showed a lot of promise. When he said Kenobi free, they went to Tatooine. Made friends with Anakin, an epic hero in that scene. When he led the Gungan army into battle, all I'm saying, Jar Jar saved the day when he smashed the Federation. On Coruscant, it was not his finest hour When he gave Palpatine those emergency powers He overthrew the Senate like Caesar on the steps Hey, two Jar Jar, what a freaking mess Okay, he dropped the ball, it was not a huge mistake Vader finally bought the farm, so give Jar Jar a break Lay off Jar Jar, lay off Jar Jar Binks Lay off Jar Jar, lay off Jar Jar Binks Hero of the Clone Wars, protector of Naboo He might be a little but so was our two Lay off Jar Jar Lay off Jar Jar Binks Lay off Jar Jar Lay off Jar Jar Binks Hero of the Clone Wars Protector of Naboo He might be a little clumsy But so was our two You know what? I always wonder something What is up with these haters? Who spend their time dissing on this Gungan Street player? I mean, I know we had like 20 minutes or more Of screen time But you cannot deny he's part of the lore And I really hope you homies do not mind it or Say that you're just jealous cause you know that his ears are fly Though I'm not quite sure of their evolutionary purpose Still it wasn't cool when you 
said the student's very worthless I don't really get it, but I guess it makes sense You can check it out on Reddit where they tend to hate him But it's third where they study up the Federation There ain't a difficult reason for that burning hatred You're dealing with concern and learned Jar Jar apologists, the slander of his name Mine and Lars, bars abolished this He played a noble part in the fight for the galaxy He may be clumsy, but to say he's useless is a fallacy At least some relief, he brung his homies that So please, yo, we plead, get off our Gungan homies back was Layoff Jar Jar featuring MC Snacks and Richie Branson. You can watch the video of our interview with Isham if you check out Hatchet Chat on YouTube. Patreon.com slash MC Lars. Still dropping two new songs a month. And I'll be back next week on the MC Lars podcast with Cowboy Coder to talk about his new project, Stardust. Talk to you then. Thanks, everyone. Bye.